0: Welcome to the Branches podcast. Branches is a community of faith, hope, and love in the South Orange County. We are a church for people who don't go to church. If you'd like to learn more about our faith or our community, visit our website at branchesoc.com.
1: Oh yeah, uh, Hairspray and um, Topher are going to be passing out Bibles. If you don't have one of your own, please take this and make it yours. I'm going to make you open up the Bible um, so you're going to want one of these, otherwise you're that person. Okay, who, um, who had to park down by the Ocean Festival? Wait, no, what's that? Ocean Institute. Okay. Who had to park down by El Torito? Oh. Joey? <laughs> yeah, see, them <somebody's> are what? <laughs> Unfortunately, I have, especially on a Labor Day weekend. Okay, who had to park? What's, what's, anybody park any farther than El Torito? All right, Joey, you get a free donut. Okay, you should have one of these note cards. And they're always there. This isn't a new thing. But we really want you to grab these. And the reason is, is that you can easily come, and whether it's me teaching or Esh teaching, you see these and you're like, okay, well here, Esh, feed me. book feed me. Guest speaker, feed me. But the Word of God is supposed to feed us. And so we want you to take notes. We want you to get into this. On purpose, I don't show every verse of... of of the passage, because then we're just staring at the screen. We want you in the Word, and, and you have pens. We're, we're handing out pens here. How often are you at your house and you can't find a pen? And here we are giving you a pen, because we want you to be able to, to get into the Word and not just sit there and, and hope that it like floats into you, but that you would listen for God to speak to you, because this happens all the time. I'll, I'll share something, and then afterwards someone goes, go, you know, I really loved when you said that, and I'm thinking... I never said that, but that's what they heard, and that was someone that was intently listening for God to speak to them. In fact, we were doing some filming this weekend for this upcoming series, and one of the people that was being filmed said, but I think it was you that said this, and she said something so eloquent and beautiful that I knew it wasn't from me, and I went, Raquel, I never said that. That's from you. And so with these notes, it's an expectation that God is going to speak to you and not necessarily through me. So grab that, and uh, we will jump into that. This morning, uh, we're gonna continue the series on come and see, uh, which is what we wanna do is we wanna look at Jesus. He said to come and see for those that were, were, were seeking the truth, that, that wanted to, to know more about what God's plan for life was. And his response was, well, come and see. Come and watch me. That was the model. If you wanna learn then come and see. And there's a difference between, between seeing and knowing. And this is what I mean by that. Like I'm looking out, and even though it's a little bit smaller, I'm seeing some faces. And some of you I know really well, and some of you I don't know as well. And some of you I've known really well, but I don't get to hang out with you as much. But I know a lot about you because I got Instagram. <laughs> or I've got Facebook. So for example, I'm going to hope this doesn't bum you out too much, but I'm gonna do it anyways. For example, I used to know a lot of what goes on in Sarah's life, because she was the queen of Facebook and Instagram. But now she's got babies galore, so I can't, she's never posting. Are you? It's not posting up on my feed. See, I'm not even getting anything. De- oh, so that means I've been defriended. <laughs> That's what that means, got it, okay. Got it, so for example, Like Matt, who's walking in right now, is one of my good friends, but I didn't know really that much about this new bike race that he's in charge of. Uh, What's it called? Revolutionary what? Revolution Bike Fest. Now, I know about Revolution Bike Fest, but that's all I know, that there is a Revolution Bike Fest. Why? Because I know about it, but I don't know it. Okay? Two of my favorite people on the planet, because if, if you can play the accordion, you're in my top five. And Scott and Beth Young are here. So I don't get to hang out with them that much. But I know about the Savage Luau. Oh, yes, I do. (laughs) And I was looking today, and I saw some other, because I was doing some research for this morning's message. And so one of of the kids that I knew back from Young Life days and surf team days, Nate, was at the Savage Luau. I'm like, oh, my worlds are colliding. Like, different groups of people I know are, like, meeting and coming together. Um, My niece... I mean, I stay in pretty good contact with her. But I just found out soccer's starting, which is a big deal because her father's semi-pro soccer player, so she's all in the outfit and, you know, we're expecting her to go pro. But I, I know about that, but I haven't actually talked to her about it. We can know a lot about people, but not know them. So Jer is one of my really good friends. Hoku, they went on a vacation, which is good because they should go on more vacations. Um, And on it, they ate their way through Hawaii. And the reason I know that is not because he told me that, because it was on Instagram galore. There it is. Oh, you're eating here. You're eating here. I go, are you doing anything but eating? And so we were joking back and forth. But but I know Jer. Jer and I have sat together. We've laughed together. We've cried together. I've watched him with his wife. I've watched him with his kids. I've watched him with his family. I've watched him with my family. Um, I've been to his place of, of, of business. Uh, I've been to another place that he's working on. I, I've heard him share his fears, his excitements, his hopes. Um, I've seen him uh, when he's fired up. I've seen him when he's frustrated with me. I know Jeremy. doesn't mean I know everything about him, but I know him. As we look and go through this series, the hope that Esh and I have is that you would look at Jesus, not to know about him, but that you would move in the direction to knowing him, knowing the fullness of our God, knowing the fullness of our Savior, and not just having facts about him, not just things we can put in a utility belt so we can pull out when we need it, not just to get answers so we can make life better for us, but so that we could have a full life. And there is full life in knowing Jesus, not knowing about him, but knowing him. That's our hope. And what we're going to look at here in John chapter 8, this passage is typically, we just look at the grace. We just look at that side of Jesus, almost like he posts on his Instagram, oh, I was hanging out with this lady and she was in an adulterous relationship and look how graceful I am. But there's another side to it also, and we have to look at him in his fullness, and not just pick and choose what we like. For example, for some of those on social media, someone will post something, and there's those certain people that post, and they just irritate you, because you're just like, you're just bragging, you're just showing off, and so you block them. (laughs) Well, you don't really know them, because you don't get to see the other side, and you've maybe made a judgment, and we can do that with Christ sometimes, go, yeah, Christ is all about Grace. That's all he is, but no, he's about grace and truth. And for us to be fully free, we need both. You shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And grace opens up the door to truth. So we're going to look at that right now. So for those of you who are hungering and thirsting for a fullness, and you want as much as you can get out of life, as one of my favorite movies says, To suck the marrow out of life, to seize the day, to get all that God has for you, you have to take both the grace and the truth. You have to see God for who He is in His entirety. So let's go to John chapter 8, and we're going to start in um, verse 1. And uh, like I said, I'm only going to show you some of the verses. So some of the verses will pop up here in John uh, 8. Uh, we only have a few more weeks of this, a couple more weeks, and we're going to be in the book of John next week at the Regency Theater. Uh, I'm going to take a little bit of a detour because when we're in a big theater and we have high definition screen and all of that, we've got to take advantage of that. And um, so we're going to utilize the screen. Uh, we're going to look at Psalms and uh, I have a friend doing some art. It's going to be kind of an artistic Sunday, but one in which we're going to look at Christ. Bono is going to show up. I think I'm joking. Okay, he's not showing up in the flesh, but he's going to be there. I'm not lying. Um, So just giving you the heads up on that. So John chapter 8. And sorry, I don't usually use my phone up here, but I thought I'd give it a shot this time. It was a bad idea. So verse verse 2, we see, well, verse 1, we see that Jesus slept out underneath the stars. Just, that's a cool little fact, isn't it? He's done it several times. He just sleeps outside. And so he's sleeping outside and it's uh, at the Mount of Olives which comes, if you've seen uh, the Temple Mount where um, most of what we're going to look at happens right now, um, it's a hill that meets up to it. And the olive trees that were there during the time of Jesus are still there. Did you know that olive trees can live for like 3,000 years? Isn't that crazy? They usually don't because they don't get taken care of, but there's these thick, gnarly, it's the most amazing garden. And so that is where he slept. So he's up there sleeping there, and then he comes down at dawn. And he comes up into these courts where he teaches. And anyone can come up there and teach. The rabbis would teach, and so he comes as a rabbi up into the Temple Mount, sits down to teach as the sun is rising. And as he's doing this, these Pharisees show up. And I know automatically for some of you, you're going to go, Oh, the Pharisees, the bad people. Not necessarily, not in this situation. So at dawn, they show up and they bring in this woman that they have caught in the act of adultery. Now you're going to the act of adultery, move on. No, the act. The literal, physical act of intercourse. They grab this lady and they bring her to the court at dawn. Who does that? It's obviously premeditated. It's obviously planned ahead of time. In verse 6, says that they did it to trap Jesus. So they don't care that much about this woman, as we're going to look at a little bit deeper. So they bring this woman before him, and they say to Jesus, because he's a rabbi, and rabbis are supposed to make judgments. They're supposed to make the moral judgments of the law, and what should we do? And they brought him into a tricky situation here, because if he answers on either side, then he's in trouble. If he answers this, their expectation is he's going to fail the test. So they bring this woman before him, And as they bring her, they ask, this woman was caught in the act of adultery, and the law Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now, what do you say? Now, we have this automatic assumption that this woman is a naughty woman. We talked about this before when we looked at the woman at the well, who'd been married five times. Do not make immediate assumptions. For example, where's the guy? The law is very specific here. They're following the law. If there are witnesses that see the act, so it can't be like, hey, she spent the night. They spent the night together. We need to bring, they need to actually see it happen for them to even bring her before the rabbi, which means if they saw her in the act, they saw the guy as well, but they didn't bring him. Probably male-dominated culture, but don't assume that necessarily. The other assumption is, oh, this man was married, and this is some single lady. Do we know that? No, we don't. The other assumption is, let's say she's married. How do we know she was willing? Because this is a society where if this man forcibly grabbed her, she's still guilty. How's that? Not fair, is it? So in this whole situation, this is messed up. This is just messed up. And here's the thing about this law. This law was put into place to protect her, to protect that man. The whole law was put in place, so if there are witnesses, you're supposed to do something which means step in and stop this, right? For example, if, um, since Jer and I are having a conversation, if Jer's cruising in his, in his nice truck and he's cruising by and he, he drives by, um, uh, what was the name of that restaurant we ate lunch at? Columbiana. So he drives by Columbiana. Oh, I remember Boog and I ate there and he sees me sitting there and I'm sitting next to this girl, and we're eating and hanging out, (laughs) and she's laughing at everything I say, because I'm really funny, and he looks, and he's like, that's not Stephanie, his wife, and he just keeps driving. Is that what a friend would do? No, a friend would go, pull over and go, hey, Boog, how you doing? Who's this? How you doing? He would step in instead of going, oh my gosh, I can't believe he did that, and then drive away, because that's not what you do. He'd be like, oh my gosh, Boog is going to mess his life up. He's going to mess Steph's life up, his kids. This is bad I've got to step in and help that's why the law was in place because these men if they saw this going down were supposed to go don't do this they were supposed to save her they were supposed to save him but at this moment it doesn't seem like they care at all about her does it because somehow this law that was put in place these guidelines that were put in place to help to save to set free have been twisted to be used as a weapon and they're using this woman as collateral damage because they're in a religious war with Jesus. My question is, how often do we do that? How often do we take things like this, whether it be something as intense as this, or maybe as light as smoking or drinking or something, and we're like, isn't smoking bad? Doesn't that say so- something about that in the Bible? No, nah, it doesn't. Well, I think it says something about your body being the temple, so we should probably... We start twisting things because we need to have power. And so these men want power and they're taking the law of God which is meant to protect this woman. To protect this man. To protect their families. To protect this community. And they're abusing it. And so they take this woman before Jesus. And Jesus bends down and he starts writing in the dirt. It's the only time we know of Jesus writing. Wouldn't it be cool to see what he wrote? But Jesus is smart. He just doesn't respond right away. If we talk a lot less, we always look wiser. You know what I mean? Now, Jesus has all the right things to say. So anything he says is wise and makes sense. But even he knows the more you talk, people are going to pick and choose what they want to hear you say. And so he doesn't say anything. He lets them just sit in their question. So they've asked the question, and he has said nothing. So he keeps writing when they kept on questioning, they're like, hello. They're trying to get him to respond. He says this. He stands up, all powerful, because he's sitting down. And when you stand up, it's like, "Woo!" So he stands up and he says, let any one of you who is, wi- who is without sin be the first to throw a stone. So any of you that have not sinned, go ahead. That stone, pick it up and throw it because that's what they are legally allowed to do if they catch this woman or this man in the actual act of adultery, they have permission with the law of God to grab that rock, to take it, and to kill that person on the spot. How's that? So this is all legal. And Jesus doesn't say, hey, you shouldn't have done this. What are you doing? Because it's part of the law. But they've abused it. They were supposed to protect this woman, protect this man, and they didn't. And so slowly... Starting with the oldest people first, they start dropping their rocks. So these men have got these rocks in their hands and he says this, well, if whoever's without sin, throw it first. You know who's supposed to throw it first? The person that witnessed the act. So the person that was there, that was assigned the job to catch this woman and this man, they were by law supposed to throw it first. And then Jesus says, well, Whoever's without sin, you throw it first. Do you see the connection there? The ultimate sin there was by the person that didn't step in. So let's say I'm having lunch with some woman that's not my wife, and we're not doing any business stuff. I mean, this is like me flirting, and this is going past where I should go. And I'm sitting there, and it's, it's going to bloom, right? Because that's what happens. That's what happens when guys and girls hang out for a period of time. That's what happens. If you have a guy and a girl on an island all by themselves and no one else is around, they're going to get married. That's what goes down. And so as I'm at this restaurant, imagine I get strung up and all these guys and women have these rocks and they're ready to throw them. And Jesus would say, whoever is without sin, cast the first stone. And he would look at Jeremy. Because Jeremy was the first one to see this. And he's like, hey, you were there. You saw this. You did nothing. Are you seeing the responsibility that we have for each other? That's why I wish our room was so much bigger because I hate the fact that our chairs are like this because we can't see each other. You, can see, you have to, like, turn to the side, right? You don't want to turn to the side because if you turn to the side, they know you're looking at them, right? <laughs> so you just look ahead you're looking at the back. But sometimes you can kind of look and if someone turns, you can see them. But if we look at each other, like if I say look around right now, you're like, oh, I don't really want to look people in the eye. But if we could take our chairs and do it like I want, which is not just a semicircle, but bring it around, where it wraps around here, you're always seeing someone else. And you're always seeing that you have a responsibility for someone else. So the starting point is, well, I should probably learn their name, shouldn't I? (laughs) Right? But that's what's supposed to happen here. So this isn't just about some woman like, oh, look, Jesus forgave her. No, this is bigger than that. Because Jesus is saying, look, You, the one who witnessed, you had a responsibility. You didn't do it. And that's the first one that probably dropped the stone. And so the wise ones, the old ones, because they have more experience, whatever, the rocks just start falling. Boom, 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 boom. Until all the rocks have fallen, everyone's walked away. And of those that came to condemn her, it's just her and Jesus. And look what Jesus says. He says, Where are they? Has no one condemned you? Now remember what he said He who is without sin, you can cast the first stone. There's someone left there that has the full permission by the law and in her eyes as well to throw a stone and to kill her. And it's Jesus. But he asked her a question. Has no one condemned you? And she says, no one. Now, we talked about this before. When Jesus asks a question, it's not that he doesn't know the answer. And sometimes he asks ridiculous questions. This is what, they're all gone. So obviously, none of them have condemned her. So why is he asking this question? Because there is one person left that has still condemned her. There is one person left that still has her covered in shame that has not forgiven her that has not set her free and it's her you have to look at the questions of Jesus I can't wait till I do that series I can't wait till we as a as a team do that series and look at the questions of Jesus because those questions as we talked about before are meant for us to ask the questions so that we can change this woman what? Do you think this woman was proud of that situation regardless of what actually happened she was filled with shame in a culture in a male-centric color that a male-centric culture that would shame her anyways she's going to shame herself because she's surrounded by it she's swimming in it and so she has this robe of shame and everyone else is left and Jesus hasn't condemned her and she still has it on but she's the only one left that can take it off which is a lot easier said than done but he wants to bring her attention to this reality has anyone still condemned you we have to come to that reality as well very few of us are really set free and once we are set free that coat fits so well we just want to put it back on drew Bray uh, who comes and leads worship here sometimes uh, we had this garage sale way back in the day, and he donated a, um, a, a corduroy jacket with this uh, sheepskin up here. It was awesome. Um, at least I thought so. And so I, I bought that sucker, and I wore it. G-Money said, oh, you got to have this. And I went, you're right. And so I took it, and I had it. It's, it's really ugly. And... I still have it in my closet, and I stare at it, and I'm like, I should probably get rid of that, but it's so hard, because when I look at it, I'm thinking, but it just feels good around me. It doesn't even button up. The buttons are all ripped off. It's so hard sometimes to let go. Some of your closets are examples of that, right? For you men, your garages are embarrassing, because you don't want to let go of stuff. Shame, as weird and as unhealthy as it sounds, is something for some reason we want to keep wrapped around us because we're used to it. And what's familiar, we want to keep close to us. This woman, just like us, has to make that decision to let go because Jesus came to set her free. But he can't do it alone. She has to agree to this. We have to agree to this. Some of us think we're such bad people and we're such bad spouses or we're such bad parents or we're such bad neighbors what if what if you weren't as bad as you thought you were what if you were actually valuable so valuable that even in the midst while we were still yet screw-ups which is another way to say sinners Sinners is this weird word that we don't ever use unless we're in church or Bible stuff and we don't even understand. But why we were still mess-ups, what if Christ still thought we were valuable enough to not condemn us? And not only not condemn us, but to go and die for us. What if you actually knew you were that valuable, that important? Maybe you'd be willing to take off that corduroy jacket, that jacket of shame, that scarf of shame. I don't know what your preference of clothing is. But whatever the visual is that helps you to see this, what if you actually let go? What if you actually took on the gift that Christ is offering us? And he offers this to this woman. And then he says this, neither do I condemn you. The one person has full permission. Divine wisdom and understanding of God's law has the permission to condemn her. Forget about throwing the rock, just to give her a sideways glance or to judge her. And he chooses to set her free it's not that he didn't judge her it's that he set her free there's a difference so he sets her free but this is the other side of christ that we need to see he he says go now and leave your life of messing up or leave your life of sin we so often want to just choose one side or the other There are some people that are just going to talk about the judgment of God, like this woman got what she deserved. She should have gotten this. And they'll emphasize, well, you see the way the law was set up, she should have been stoned, but it worked out that the guy didn't show up, so they couldn't do it because he wasn't. They want to focus on that part. And there's other people, see how good God is? He just let her go. God doesn't care. Just go. Do what you want to do. God loves you anyways. That is a misinterpretation. They're both true, but they're exaggerated. There is grace and there is truth. And the truth is, he loves her enough to say, don't go and do this anymore. Now, she has done nothing. She has said nothing. She hasn't said, you're right, Jesus, I'm horrible. Please forgive me, whatever it takes. She said nothing, and he says, I don't condemn you. He, she doesn't do anything to earn anything, and he says, I set you free. But he does give her a command. He does give her a calling. Go and don't mess up anymore. That doesn't mean be perfect. It means follow me. It means live the right way. You know what the right thing is to do. You knew this wasn't right. Live differently. Change your ways. Repent. Repent as we talk about time and time again. Repent means to change. Jesus came and said repent, change, because the kingdom of God is here. He's telling this woman, change Because the kingdom of God for your life is here. The fullness, what you really want is there, but you're not going to find it at this guy's house. That's not going to give you what you're hungering and thirsting for. And I want to close with this. I want to look at this woman's life. I want us to move forward. And I want us to see her, how she's going to live her life now. And many of you can look back to a moment like this where you've had that moment where you knew Christ and you knew his love not about him it wasn't in your head but you knew it for me as I've shared I've taught about the love of Christ I've seen it I've experienced in small ways but through this whole experience of the crazy of the lung transplant and all that it wasn't the living part of it that is the most beautiful for me it wasn't the fact that I'm still here on earth it's the most beautiful thing the most beautiful part for me was when I woke up and Stephanie was holding me in her arms And God was just all around, and I could hear him saying, I love you completely. And I knew about it, but I'd never experienced it before. And it wasn't with the five senses. It was with this understanding that I can't explain. And from that moment, I looked at Stephanie different, and I looked at my friends and my family and my anger and bitterness and all these things. It just was different. Now, that doesn't mean that I don't just come back sometimes and put that coat back on because for some reason the coat always seems to stay in the closet and it's so easy to put it on because it's familiar but I'm set free and it sounds weird I know but I go back to that ICU room so many times in my head and my heart because I want to remember how much God recklessly loves me and this woman gets to go back to that moment She gets to go back to that moment. She goes, regardless of what this person says or that person says or what I say about myself, I am therefore now no longer condemned. I am set free. And she is going to live a different life, not to pay back. She is going to live a different life because she doesn't owe anything. Do you see the difference? Or more importantly, do you know the difference in your own life? You don't have to pay God to be forgiven. He has forgiven us when we have paid nothing, when we were in debt. And now that we owe nothing, we are set free to go and not mess up anymore. Because now we are called, what the true messing up is, is to not give our lives away for others. I'm really hammering Jeremy this morning, but for Jeremy, (laughs) Jeremy who doesn't owe anything, is now set free to not mess up, which means he can step into my life and say, hey, man, regardless of whether you reject me, I'm going to stand up and say, hey, man, are you sure you want to be doing this? Because I love you enough that I don't want to sit around and watch this maybe mess things up. And this isn't a maybe, by the way. <laughs> There's a lot of situations like maybe, are you sure you want to buy that car? Are you sure you want to move over there? Are you sure you want to do this? Are you If I'm hanging out with another girl, that's not a, nah, you might be messing up. That's a, no, you're messing up. And I love you enough. I don't owe anything. I'm set free. And because of that, I'm going to love you. I'm going to step into your life. And I'm going to step in there at the risk of you rejecting me. Because I know that even if you condemn me for stepping into your life, I'm set free. And I'm doing this out of love. Can you imagine? How did that woman's life Look. The way I picture it is, I picture this morning where her husband is going out. He works with oxes. I don't know why that's the picture in my head, but he's working with cattle. He's out there. He's working with the cattle. He leaves. They kiss goodbye. What kind of restoration had to happen there? So he leaves, and she's got children now. There weren't any children when she was up there at the temple courts, but there's children now. And as she's sitting with him, she looks around, and I can see her remembering back to that moment when she realized she was free. That day is going to look different because she knows she's free. She doesn't know about being free. She knows she's free because she knows Christ, and she knows that unbelievable, unfathomable, unquenchable, that reckless love that has set her free. She knows she owes nothing, and so now she's set free to love. And I think about us. What would this community of faith look like? What would this Southern California, California, what would it look like if we as the people of God lived this way? If we on purpose took our chairs and put them at a full circle to stare each other in the eyes and in the center we looked at Christ first and then interacted with others. We would be... The light of the world, like Jesus says he is. He says, I am the light of the world. And he said the same thing about us. You, you are the light of the world. How do we do that? Because we reflect his light to others. We're obedient. We're grace and truth together. As we marry those together, God will light up this world. Um, the worship team has chosen some prayers. That's what this music is, their prayers. And they've chosen music Prayers that will focus us to put Christ in the middle. So I want to invite us not to stand yet, um, but I want to invite you to participate in prayer with us. And these, um, these, the first song I chose, well I didn't choose, they chose, and they said, which one do you want? And I said, brokenness aside is perfect. So during the beginning of this song, it's going to be weird, because you're like, oh, they're playing songs I'm supposed to sing, right? The lyrics are up there, I'm supposed to sing, right? We want you to just hear it. Let the music over you. And then um, when they're ready, they'll invite you in. And if they don't, then they don't. <laughs> um, if you need prayer, because some of you have these experiences, these moments where it's really so difficult for you to imagine that Christ would not condemn you. We're going to have people out there to pray with you. They can't make it disappear but they can pray over you that you would get to that point where you would receive what God is offering you Um, so if you want to be prayed over you can go out there the offering is going to come through at some time I don't know when but um, it's for those that are part of branches and um, let me pray for us you get to the point when you talk about God's grace where you just run out of words and I've, I've run out of words for his grace father God open our eyes i pray that as we turn around that we would see no one no one but you and us and that we would not only hear your words i don't condemn you but we would also know them and father give us the courage and the understanding of our freedom so that we can go and follow you. So when you say go and sin no more, don't mess up anymore, that we would know we can follow you. And that is the epitome of the opposite of messing up, is following behind you. We thank you in the name of our Savior, the one filled with grace and truth, Jesus Christ, amen.
0: Hey, I want to share just real briefly, my name is Greg, and I'm a sinner. Um, if, it's, if it's not one thing, it's another. And, and I say that lightheartedly, but I love this song. When I first heard this song, Brokenness Aside, a couple years ago, it just wrecked me. Because I'm someone in the story. I may not be the one caught in adultery, I may be. I may not be the one accusing her, but I may be. But at the beginning of this story, I don't know if you guys caught it, but it said Jesus was there with all the people. All the people were there. When they dragged this woman in front of this crowd, maybe it was 20, maybe it was 200, maybe it was 1,000, I don't know. But I could have been there. And I think every one of us in this room has been there. And what happens at the end? Jesus doesn't just say to the woman who was caught in adultery, go now, your sins are forgiven. But he lets every one of them go. And he doesn't condemn anyone. And that's that's so amazing because I'm a sinner. If it's not adultery, if it's not accusing someone of adultery, it's something. If it's not one thing, it's another. But you, Jesus, our Savior, and you take that sin, you take that brokenness, and you make it beautiful. How amazing is that? He takes our sin, our ugliness, and he makes it beautiful. Amen, right? Amen. Raise your hand if you've got ugliness, and Jesus takes it and makes it beautiful. Amen. There are people over here who'd love to pray for you, whether it's about the ugliness inside, whether it's about anything. They'd love to pray for you. If you're not sure about Jesus, like, what is this all about? Who is this guy? There are people who'd love to pray with you or just talk to you. And they'll be over here behind this bamboo fence. Uh, Next week, don't come here. Go to the Regency Theater in San Juan. We're going to start at 9.30. If you want to come at 8 and unload the trailer, Hey, I'll be there. And then we can have free donuts and coffee afterwards. But uh, God bless you guys. Have a great Sunday. Go grab your kids and help over there. Uh, And happy Labor Day.